now we're moving on to the final topic. And I am so excited to talk about this because it's Disney logistics. And I feel like it's the perfect time um, to really bring this conversation to light because we have probably about 20 more minutes um, that we can really dive into my favorite Disney logistics facts. And now, for folks who may, I mean, probably no one knows this, but uh, back before I started my entrepreneurial journey, I actually had a job at Disney. I'm born and raised in Jacksonville. I live about two hours from the parks. So I grew up going to Disney you know, all the time. I'm an annual pass holder now. So I, I go more often than I'd like to admit, um, especially when checking my bank account after each one of these tips but or each one of these trips. But I still have my little name tag. I don't know if you guys can see that, but I worked for, um, I worked for them for a very very short time until some life circumstances came up. You can actually see my little training badge is still on there, earning my ears. And um, I never actually completed my training because some life emergencies came up that forced me to move back to my hometown of Jacksonville. So I was my dream was crushed. This was probably like 15 years ago that this happened, um, but it was also the the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back that, well, if I can't work at the dream company, then I'm just going to start my own company. So it led me on the path to where I'm talking to you guys here today. I'm working in logistics. And so I finally get to mold both of these worlds together in finding out or giving you guys some of my favorite Disney logistics facts. So I wanted to kind of, I guess, preface this conversation that, you know, I've had this running list for a while, um, but trying to find somebody from Disney, the company itself, to talk about these things um, has been a little challenging um, and challenging in a way that I've gotten no response whatsoever. So I have just been collecting these notes from the past year. Anytime I see a social media post from Disney or I see something related in some of their documentaries, I make a note of it. I write down the timestamp. And so that is what we are going to be showing you today. So here are my favorite fun facts about the happiest place on earth and how they handle logistics. And the first one I want to talk about is Walt was Walt Disney. I, I'm going to refer to him by a first name basis a lot in this conversation. Um, but Walt was a big transportation nerd. He was really... That, that, that's why anytime you see a park, you can see predominantly featured a train in every single park. So he was a big transportation nerd. And he was also, with each park design, he was really... It, he was really sort of challenging his staff to look at things and the Imagineers and the cast members to look at things from an eagle-eyed lens. So tell me what the entire park looks like. Then I want you to zoom in and I want you to tell me what the land within that park looks like. How are people traveling to and from the park? And then I want you to zoom in even more. What does the street level look like for somebody that's in the park? And then I want you to zoom in even more and tell me what does the front of the housing and the buildings and the structures look like? When you zoom into the doorknob, what does the doorknob look like? What does the mailbox look like? When you open up that door, what does the house look like in inside of that place or you know the house or the building? What does it look like inside? So he really was about having this giant vision, but then all the way down to the details. So the devil's always in the details, right? So that's how he really prioritized a lot of these different parks um, as far as the storytelling brand is concerned. And so from Disney+, Plus, they have a show called Behind the Attraction. One of the episodes is Trains, Trams, and Monorails. And so during this documentary, it was a really great sort of look at how they think about how people 
get to the park, how they leave the park, what their experience is like during the entire process. And one of those big transportation methods is the monorail. Now, the monorail was the first monorail that was brought over in the Western Hemisphere, not just in the United States, but what was responsible for seeing a monorail. Or he was on a family trip over in Germany and he saw a monorail were operating and he saw that technology and he brought it over to the first park over in Disneyland. Um, but so not only did they bring that first monorail over to the West Coast, but then they also brought that plan, that monorail plan, and featured it prominently whenever they were building Disney World over in Orlando. So I want to play a clip from that shipping the monorail beams that are responsible for holding up the monorail itself. So let's play that clip. And with that, it was all systems go for construction of this revolutionary hotel, much of which was constructed off-site. And we're not talking from the monorail factory down the road. We're shipping monorail beams from Tacoma, Washington to uh, Florida, cross-country. These things were 65 feet long. They were so long that they had to get three railroad cars uh, in order to ship them. The two ends were put on the front car and the third car. The middle car was an idler, so that allowed them to go around the corners. They were going around a corner someplace in the mid Midwest, and they just rolled that. Because these things weighed 20 tons. They were heavy. They went around too fast, I guess, and we lost one. Now, that's one of my favorite clips from that episode. Go watch the full one because it's full of just different transportation factoids. But Disney continues to this day to invest in, because the monorails were built back in the 70s, but Disney continues to invest in new transportation concepts. Uh, they they typically have, you know, boats and uh, they have, mon of course, the monorails, but then they also have buses. They have the new minivans, which are kind of like the lift cars, but they look like mini mouse. And so they, they have all of these different transportation options. But another one that they just added to the mix was the Skyliner. And so side note, the Disney blogger caught this image of one of the gondolas that were traveling to and from Disney. Now, the, the Skyliner is essentially one of those things that you know can take you up in the air. They call it the Skyliner. So it's the gondolas that go from different parks and different hotels, and they take guests to and from. It's incredibly efficient um, as far as you know transporting guests to and from, especially when it comes to just the giant landscape of how large Disney World is. They are the size of San Francisco, twice the size of Manhattan. And so it, you have to be able to optimize that part of the journey for the for all of your different customers because it's a lot of frustration. You feel like you're waiting in line a ton, to, you know, whether it's to get into the park or to, you know, get on the monorail to get into the park. So there's all these different transportation options in order to help alleviate some of that congestion. And another one of the cool ways that they do this is in their parking garage system. System. So places like Disney Springs, for example, which is kind of like the free version of like Disney shopping experience. It used to, I forget what it used to be called. Downtown Disney is what it used to be called, but now it's called Disney Springs. And so um, they have these different parking garages. And you know, when you arrive at a parking garage and you see the counter that's outside and you're not exactly sure how they actually come up with that number. Are they manually counting? Are they using cameras to count? And it's kind of a combination of technology and not kind of a combination of technology it is powered by technology that is inside of these parking garages that is able to give you an accurate count of not only the amount of spaces that are in a garage, but which floor level and which lane in the floor level has open spots for you to park. Because if you think about it, 
You want to make that process as easy as possible whenever someone is arriving to your garage. You want to make sure. And so if you're watching on the screen, you can kind of see these these rods that are hanging down from the ceiling of the parking garage. And they either have a green that that signifies that it's an empty space or they have red, which signifies that that space is taken. They have a counter on each one of the lanes that tells you how many spots are actually open. So I thought that that was really clever because if you think about it, if you get your guests into the parking lot and make that process as easy as possible, then they're more likely to spend more money and be relaxed once they enter whatever kind of shopping environment or dining environment that you want to uh, you know, have somebody spend a lot of money. So they make that process super easy as well. And speaking of parking... Bio Reconstruct, which is one of my favorite like Twitter follows, he essentially uses drones in order to capture the the parts from a you know a very high level, an eagle eye level, if you will. But it also he has really great construction shots as well. And so from that construction shots, we can kind of tell like how far along you know before you know a new park is going to open or a new ride is going to open. But he does all kinds of these aerial shots. Let's show one of those images now if we have it. But this picture is from Epcot and it's such a rad shot because it's the entire park system. And so if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I'm going to kind of describe it to you. But it's the entire park system with the lagoon in the middle. And what they have is this, you know, called World Showcase. And then they have, you know, kind of the typical area of Epcot, which is around the ball. Now, past on the outside of the park is where they have different parking garages. So obviously, um, you know, different parking for, you know, guests and cast members. But what they also have in the World Showcase area is they have 11 different countries that are represented in this World Showcase. And so each country has their own food, has their own drinks, has their own sort of cultural, you know, design that's inspired from their country as far as the building design and the, you know, just how that certain area looks. So they have all of these different functionalities, but then the extra stuff that they have is that they have you know employees that are working in that country. You have to be on a work visa from that country in order to work in that part of the park. Now, obviously, because of COVID, they've had a little bit of issues trying to get you know a lot of those workers back in town, back in the U.S. in order to to work for their assigned country. Um, but it's basically like a work partnership that Disney has with several different countries, eleven in total, that allows for you know, as, as close of an authentic experience as you can get. So that's Epcot. And you can see at the back of, if you're looking at these photos, at the back of each one of these buildings, you can also see their own administration buildings, their own, you know, parking lots for their employees. So I just love that kind of behind the scenes look. So if you're curious about that person, it's Bio Reconstruct. Go follow them on Twitter because they they post a lot of really cool photos like this. But speaking of moving people from one place to another while we're trying to make that process as smooth as possible, a few other little factoids. Disney Genie Plus has also debuted um, recently within the past year to manage the flow of guests to a ride in the park. And now they also have entertainment within the ride line itself in the line queue in order to help keep that frustration down just a little bit. And then also, you know, all of these things are designed to help you feel like you're not waiting in line as much as you I you know you realistically are whenever you go to some of these different experiences. Now, the next thing that I wanted to bring up is the tunnels and emotion of Disney Logistics. I can't really talk about this without mentioning, you know, the the tunnels underneath Magic Kingdom which you can see in this image right here. It's kind of like um, not necessarily looking like the happiest place on earth, but this is meant for employees and so for folks who don't know, Magic Kingdom is actually built on top of a first floor. So you're walking on the second 
floor of what is known as Magic Kingdom. And so the bottom is managed for trash. It's managed for, you know, employees that are going to take their breaks. Um, there is also a subway, yes, in the subways between or beneath Magic Kingdom. So there's a real life like Subway, the restaurant that is actually available only for cast members only. So let's go ahead and play that video. Did you know there's a subway in Disney World? When you're walking around the fantasy-fueled Magic Kingdom, it's hard to even remember places like Subway or Burger King or Pizza Hut even exist. But it's a lot closer than you think because beneath your feet in Disney's underground tunnels, there's actually a subway under Magic Kingdom in the famous Utilidors. While you can see the subway on Google Maps, the sandwich shop is not accessible to guests as it's only available to cast members. Tell us if you knew Now, the next clip that I want to bring up when we talk about tunnels and emotions that Disney is trying to convey, they also want to be a memory maker for your trip. So they use what's called smellitzers. And I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but I think it's pretty close. But to give it different experiences throughout the parks based on the smell. Let's play the video. Do you know what gives Disney water its signature scent and why they use it? Disney wants the water to smell differently because scent is the strongest sense tied to memory. Disney adds a chemical called bromine to the water because the smell is noticeably different from things you commonly find in your everyday life like public pools. The chemical is also better at killing bacteria than chlorine, yet safer when it comes in contact with skin and clothing. Can you smell these videos through the screen? Now, speaking of emotions and speaking of conveying those memories whenever you're at the Disney park, they also plan for Christmas. Christmas is a huge part of the Disney experience. They plan for Christmas year round. And they posted this video exactly at the six month mark of this year, talking about all of the different ornaments and the things that go into the process of the logistics of a Disney Christmas. Let's play the clip. Happy halfway to the holidays at the warehouse we celebrate every day. With 79,000 ornaments on Main Street, we have various sizes of ornaments throughout the park, starting with our smallest ornament, which was a 30 millimeter, up to our largest ornament, which is a 340 millimeter. On Main Street alone, we use 178,000 yards of ribbon. That totals 1.4 miles. And that 178,000 yards make a total of 800 bows. We have over 110,000 light bulbs and over 11,000 strands of mini lights. And just when you think all the holiday magic is done, that's when we start all our fun. So that is one aspect of the Disney logistics when it comes around Christmas time. But they want to, you know, they, they want to make sure that they affect your eyes. They want to make sure that they affect, you know, your, your sense of smell and, and your experience of what's going on in the park. And speaking of eyes, let's show a clip of how they like to, you know, connect eyes to memory as well. Disney controls our minds like a Jedi by changing our perception of the color of the sky and plants in the theme parks. There is a specific hue of red concrete that is commonly used around Disney's theme parks that make the grass look greener and the sky look bluer by wearing out the red receptors in your eyes. Kodak, the first major sponsor of Walt Disney World, performed a study to find the perfect color that would absorb sunlight, blend into the natural surroundings, and would make the sky and grass pop in photographs. What should we name this special shade of red? 
And now they didn't mention it in that video, but they also have what's commonly referred to as go away green, which is a paint that they put on different areas of the park that they don't want you to see. Let's play that clip. I saw where they paint doors, a certain shade of green, maybe. Yep. Apparently us humans, we don't recognize that shade of green and we don't even recognize the door being there. So that's called go away green. How did you know about that? I was doing research for, I, I prepare, Paul. And I'm always learning how to be better. Go away green, it's a pink color that Disney uses when they want to hide things. I am the Disney guy. And so I, as, as someone who goes to the parks all the time, I want to say that they absolutely, all of those things work on me every single time I'm there. I do try to notice the things that are, you know, I guess, you know, go away green to see what they could possibly be working on for in the future. But, you know, speaking of green, it's probably a good time to round out this conversation with one of my favorite logistic stories when it comes to Disney. And that is the Liberty Tree. Now, from the Disney historian, the Liberty Tree is the is in Liberty Square of Magic Kingdom, and it's the largest living specimen in the park and the largest tree transplanted on Walt Disney World property. Walt was a big history buff. And so that tree on the property reminded him of the Liberty Tree in Boston and its significance during the Revolutionary War. Walt famously said, if all the world is a stage, then all history is a great story warehouse and the casting department rolled into one. So they loved when during the construction of, of Disney World, they loved this giant Southern Oak that was on the property. So so much that during the original construction, they moved that tree eight miles from where it originally grew. We have an image on the screen of what's going on during this process because the removal and the shipping process was also really unique. It's a 38-ton size tree that they had to come up with a new process that took years of planning. And it was invented by these Disney sort of veterans. And I think it's Bill Evans. So it's the enter the in ingenuity of Walt's personal handpicked landscaper, Bill Evans, who essentially developed this trick where they would take rods and insert them into the tree so that they could lift it up safely and store it on a truck. And so that, that was the process that they developed whenever they were trying to move a giant tree over in Disneyland. And so they used the same process over in Disney World to make sure that that tree is one of the, you know, the same trees that, or not these, it is the same tree that's seen in Liberty Square in the park to this day. So I thought that that was really, really cool story. And the fact that you're seeing this image on a truck where the tree stood, that tree sat there for close to a year before it was actually ready to be moved into the Liberty Square area of the park. So I thought all of those stories were really, really cool. I probably had about four or five more videos that I could have shown you on Disney Logistics, but we'll save that for a part two. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. If you like to see more of my work, head on over to everythingislogistics.com. You can find all my socials and stories and stuff there. hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blake Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!